Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, December 19. The Italians have a saying, Se non è vero, è ben trovato. If it isn't true, at least it's well said. Don't, however, be lured too far from your own center by the attractive power of epigrams. Where truth is concerned, laugh if you feel to, but in the end, be serious. You know, this is like... uh, there's this, Swamiji, I believe, wrote this same thing about the Gemini sun sign in the horoscope. If it wasn't Swami, it was someone else. The Gemini, let me think how, it's, how it says, you know, the Gemini will just never miss the chance to say something clever. <laughs> Is how, I'm, I'm not saying it as well as Swamiji said it, but it was sort of like the Gemini loves words and loves the clever way of words. I have a tremendous amount of Gemini in my horoscope, so I can say this. I'm speaking of myself. I'm not casting aspersions. We just like to put words together and put them together in a clever way. And they aren't always helpful, but at least they're clever, you know, or at least they're funny. And that's sort of a fascination that we get to. And Swami's talking about the Italians apparently have enough of the same that they think about it that way. It may not be true, but it's certainly a clever statement, isn't it? And Swami says, laugh if you want to, but in the end, be serious about it. In the Festival of Light, which is the um, liturgical ritual that Swami uh, Kriyananda created in, uh, let's see, about 1986 is when he created it. And for all these decades since, it's been an integral part of the Sunday morning satsang and worship service that we do in Europe and America. And sometimes they use it in India, although not as regularly as we do here. Um, And it's... It's among the, it's about 15 minutes of poetic reading and interspersed with songs and prayers. It's, it's wonderful, actually. And uh, as, as an integral part of it is this allegory, and the allegory is about a little bird. And it's a little bird, sort of the progress of, of one day in the bird's life. And in the festival it says, you know, um, one day in the life of this bird represents eons, of our time, many incarnations of human uh, destiny between delusion and enlightenment is represented by the four four stages from ignorance, from delusion to enlightenment that the little bird goes through. And at a certain point, the bird starts out, he's, he's manifested from the divine, and his parents say to him, be fruitful in the gifts we have given you, expand and multiply them. And what you acquire, share with others um, as we have shared with you, for you are a part of all that is. So that's the beautiful sort of uh, assignment that the little bird has been given. And that's the soul being manifested from Satchitananda. We have this divine assignment to expand our consciousness, to, to draw into ourselves the gifts of spirit, and then to share them equally with all. But the bird, the little bird begins to enjoy himself. He begins to enjoy the feeling of personal power and flying around on his own and not being with his parents anymore and getting to 
do what he wants. And he decides that what is this business? Instead of sharing with all, he begins to hoard selfishly. And so then in the ritual, the bird says, what else is wisdom if not to keep what is mine for myself? (coughs) So that becomes what the bird says. So of course, there is that well-known phrase, even the devil can quote scripture. So very often in the course of Ananda life, something will happen and someone will say, what else is wisdom if not to keep what is mine for myself? Because it's well said, isn't it? Of course, we're completely reversing the meaning of it. And oftentimes you can completely reverse the meaning of something like the devil does to quote scripture. So there's no point in being, you know, um, pretentious. There's no point in being heavy-handed. There's no point in being so fanatical that we can't just stand back and enjoy ourselves for a moment, even at the expense of Scripture. You know, we we can just do that. That's just perfectly fine. God has a very good sense of humor. Laughter is really an important part of it. But don't ever just leave it there. As Swamiji says, when truth is concerned, laugh if you feel to. But in the end, be serious about it. Understand? I had a, a, a period of time when I had to face a very difficult situation in my life. And I finally realized, and I had to admit to myself that I was very mad at God. I don't, I don't usually get mad at God, but I got very mad at God. And I wasn't mad at God for, for putting me in that difficult position. I was mad at God because God knew that I would discipline myself until I overcame it. <laughs> and that annoyed me. This is exactly what Mother Teresa of Calcutta says when she said, God will never give you a, a, a trial that is more than I can handle. And then Mother Teresa said, but sometimes I wish God didn't have so much confidence in me <laughs> because he thinks that I can do a lot more than I can do. That's what I felt. You know, I was really mad at God. At first, it was not at all funny. I promise you, it wasn't funny. I was extremely angry. And I was just angry because I didn't want to have to work that hard. I didn't want to have to expand my consciousness. And, and he'd, he'd boxed me in. Divine Mother had boxed me in, and I was furious. Of course, I got over it. And now it's a little bit funny when I think about it. Not, still not real funny, but a little bit funny. But, but even when I was doing it, it was a little bit funny. Like, this is so crazy. It's like, this is just the way it is. But where truth is concerned, in the end, we have to get very, very serious. We can't just, we can't just laugh it off. We can't you know, just, just say that it isn't, it isn't what it is. So, <clears throat> Swami is also saying, don't become fascinated by clever articulation. Because sometimes we do think that just because something is very cleverly said that it has more truth than it does. Swamiji said when he was a child, he sort of instinctively knew that logic um, could only go so far and that logic could take you into delusion as much as it could take you into truth. And he said even as a child he used to play with words and play with logic. And he remembers he uses as an example, he puts it in his autobiography, the path, which is his autobiography, he says, he, he remembers sitting at the dinner table with spinach on his plate and saying to his mother, Mother, green is the color of, of, of jealousy, you know, or envy. 
People become green with envy, and you have always taught me that envy is not a good thing. So I think it's a very good idea that I should avoid green in all its form, so I'm not going to eat my spinach, <laughs> you know? And it was a perfectly logical argument, wasn't it? Except, of course, none of it happened to be true, even though it was indeed well said, wasn't it? So he's really also, by this sort of a joke here, He's also really encouraging us to think very clearly and very deeply about things. And especially to avoid, well, an epigram is one way of putting it, but avoid just what everyone else thinks, merely because everybody else thinks a certain way. The, the mere sheer numbers, as Swamiji said, has often said, the majority is always wrong. The minority at least has a chance of being right. Now that is an epigram that is not always true. It's very well stated. But he was saying, don't be confused by the sheer number of voices. Because in, in the, the culture in which we live now, this is not a very enlightened planet. And the, the overall values of this planet are not consistent with the path of self-realization. Our educational system, especially in the Western countries, but really everywhere in the world right now, it's designed to give you information so that you can get a job, so that you can make money, because making money is what's going to make you happy. And it's just like there's no training in how to master your emotions, how to, how to uh, be genuinely creative, how to um, know what your divine destiny is, how to pray how to really be in tune with higher consciousness, just none of it. How to get along with your own wife or husband is you memorize information, you give the right answers, you get a good job and you get money. And that's why people are so miserable. It's just like not until, I mean, I feel I often say that I grew up at Ananda and I was very well raised, I have to say that. I was given very solid and true values through my childhood, but I really didn't learn anything about life, about divine life until I found my spiritual path. I was saying to a friend just yesterday, I was a very good student in school, just that was something that came natural to me. If you're verbal as I am, you ha it's a, you're, you're, in a, you're in a good position to do well in school. Words are my, words are my, words are me, is basically what I would say. I am, I am a, a little pair of shoes and a mouth. You know, that's sort of who I am. But I did very well in school, as long as I cared. And by the time I got to college, I actually flunked out. But that wasn't because I couldn't. I made A's and F's, is what I basically did, because I alternately attended class and didn't. I went through 11 years of school, because I never went past the first year of college. I actually can't remember a single thing I learned that mattered. I just, like, they never taught me anything I wanted to know. The reason I went through one year of college was in the hope. I went to Stanford, which was prestigious even then, 1965, not, not the unattainable nirvana of college that it is right now. But nonetheless, it was still prestigious. And I went there because I thought, this is a great university. Maybe they can teach me something. But what I found out was that they, were, they had information, but they did not have wisdom. And that's why I made A's and F's. I would keep going back to class thinking I could actually learn something that would actually help me in my life. And I, when I would discover I didn't, I would lose interest again. You know? It's like 
that's what we're really looking for. We're looking for the secrets of happiness. We, Ananda, have created an educational system called Education for Life, which is becoming global. And at the present time, we have a pilot project going on in India with um, hundreds of teachers. And one of the teachers said quite simply, this is the missing ingredient. This is what we've wanted. We've wanted to inspire young people to their full potential, which is not their financial potential. It is their potential as human beings. It, these days, also, I mean, and I have, give me a little space on education and I get going pretty strong. I've helped found a, the school that we have here in Palo Alto on the Education for Life method 30 years now. Um, is, oh, let's see, just a second. Uh, my mind went blank. Let me find it here. Oh, yes. Nowadays, with innovation happening so quickly, to give children information, by the time they, they're in any position where they have any practical use for that information, almost for certain it's going to be useless because innovation is happening so fast. What children need is creativity, cooperation, inspiration, confidence, positive thinking, you know, just everything, because information is just going to come and go and come and go. It's who you are and how you are able to function in this world. This is what we're really looking for. This is the truth of what we want. Be very um, independent in our way of thinking and be charmed by clever statements, but don't be taken in by them. And it doesn't matter if the whole of society, you know, sort of holds to a certain epigram it may be very well stated, but the question is, is it true? And is it true on the deepest level? And is it true to your destiny? I mean, this is where happiness comes from. When I was young, I, I, I knew that what was important in life was how to, to find and generate happiness from the inside. And I just assumed when I was a child, the grown-ups knew, and I just wasn't old enough for them to tell me. And that at some point, they're going to have this big reveal, and they would sort of tell me this big secret of life. As I grew older, got into my teens, into my late teens, it was very unnerving for me to realize that they didn't know. And when I got to university, and these great professors proved themselves to be completely clueless about how to live, I just completely lost interest. And by the grace of God, almost literally the week after I finished with my first year of school, I was introduced to self-realization. And not long after that, I met Swami Kriyananda. So God heard my prayer. And, and the answer was not coming from the material world. It was coming direct from spirit. So Swamiji says, the Italians have a saying, se non è vero è ben trovato. If it isn't true, at least it's well said. Don't, however, be lured too far from your own center by the attractive power of epigrams. Where truth is concerned, laugh if you feel to. But in the end, be serious. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support ASHA, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.